You are listening to the 23rd episode of Talk and Rock with GMH. Let's talk and rock. It's Talk and Rock with GMH. Welcome to the podcast where we talk rock. I'm your host, GMH, and thank you. Um, 23 episodes. Um, So today is going to be a bit of a longer episode because we've got a really cool uh, interview coming up that's a little bit longer. Um, But before we get to that, um, first I want to do the song of the week. So this week's song of the week is also sponsored by Hoot Reading. Um, Hoot Reading is an app where you can get your kids uh, to work on their reading with teachers online. Um, so thank you so much for Hoot Reading for sponsoring, um, this week's song of the week. Um, so the song, uh, the song of the week is Last Resort by Papa Roach. Um, so I've never really listened to a lot of Papa Roach, but I just started listening to a little bit of them. And I know this is probably their most popular song, but it's such a cool song. Um, they, they have such an interesting like style, you know, going into their music. And um this this is just an amazing song cuz it really gets you going and it starts like like it starts with just like the vocals and drums which is sick and then it went into like the full band sound um and then their lead singer did his little rap thing. So overall really good song and also thank you to Who Reading for sponsoring that song of the week. All right, guys, so on the podcast now, we're going to have um, a feature where we have a different guitar. I'm not sure if it's going to be every week, but definitely every once in a little while. So we have a different guitar coming in from um, Economy Pawn. Uh, they're a pawn shop located on 844 uh, Main Street in Winnipeg. Um, so anyways, so this week I have this beautiful white Gretsch uh, acoustic electric guitar. Um, so I knew right away uh, when I was going to go select a guitar, this this guitar um, looked super cool, and I tried it out, and it sounded super cool. It's also acoustic electric, which uh, my other acoustic guitar is like that as well, so it, it's got an input. Um, so the, former, the formal name is actually... Uh, the Rancher Penguin Parlor Acoustic Electric um, Fishman with a with a Fishman pickup system, and it's uh, white and it's a Gretsch guitar, but it, it sounds amazing. So I'm first gonna show you what it sounds like plugged in. So it's plugged in directly into uh, my audio interface right now. So you can already get to tell that this guitar is great um, if you like to do some home recording and stuff. I recorded a few songs for fun with this guitar. Sounds super cool. So that's a little sample of it plugged in. Um, So now I'm going to play it for you guys um, 
coming in through the microphone so that you can sort of hear uh, what it sounds like, you know, unplugged. Well, if you guys are interested um, in buying this guitar, you guys can DM me for more details, um, either on my personal Instagram, so the username is at gmh underscore rocks, or um, my podcast Instagram, so at talking to rock pod, um, all one word. And yeah, so this is a super cool guitar, and I definitely recommend you guys try and get your hands on this. Um, and also you guys can just head down to, um, Economy Pond, I guess, on Main Street. Um, so yeah, thank you so much to Economy Pond and guys stay tuned for more guitars, um, coming on the podcast, uh, because this is a very fun thing to do. Um, but yeah, so once again, this is a, a Penguin Parlor Acoustic Electric Gretsch guitar, um, uh, and it's white. And there'll also I'll also be sharing some pictures on my Instagram of the guitar if you guys want to have a visual of it. So yeah, thanks. Okay, guys. So today our special guest on the podcast is Mitch Dorge from the Crash Test Dummies. How are you today? I'm awesome. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah. So when did you join the Crash Test Dummies, and what was and how how did you join the band? Uh, well, it's a bit of a long story. I'll try to keep it brief. It's a hard story to keep brief, though. But um, <clears throat> essentially, what happened was um, Crash Test Dummies were along for, uh, around for a long time. Uh, they used to play at the Blue Note all the time. They played at various festivals. And so I knew Brad and Ellen and Ben uh, quite well. Okay. Uh, Dan, Dan joined the, the band um, in and around that time. I didn't know Dan as well as I knew the other three, just from hanging out at the Blue Note and stuff like that. Okay. And um, what had happened was is, is uh, they went in to record the, the Ghost at Homie, which was the first Crash Test Dummies album. Right. It didn't, uh, through, through the process, they discovered that uh, they were going to be looking for a new drummer, and uh, they started doing a lot of auditions for drummers around the city. Right. And, and uh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, who was their drummer at the time? A, a fellow by the name of Vince Lambert. Okay. Uh, Vince, uh, you know, and I, I guess I partly owe the, 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 uh, the experience to, to Vince because Vince used to, uh, I mean, he thought quite high of me as a drummer. And I, and I, and, uh, and the reason I know that is that every time that I would go to the blue note, if the band was playing, Vince yeah. would get all nervous. He was all freaked out because I was in the room and I, and I, I really never understood that, but it, it didn't really matter. He had a high regard for, for my playing. So, right. um, they they uh, they held some auditions. Um, they did find somebody in the process, and uh, for whatever reason, and I can't quite remember the reason, but that drummer uh, bailed on them at the last second. Okay, uh, they were supposed to be going down to the Cayman Islands to be doing um, a music fest or um, 
was for BMG Records. So uh, they were doing a showcase for BMG Records in the Cayman Islands, and yeah. uh, all of a sudden this drummer that they hired bailed on them. And Brad called me and, and said, look, we're going down to do this thing. Uh, yeah. We had a drummer on board, but he's kind of crapped out. Uh, can you come and help us out and do this thing, right? And uh, we'll pay you whatever you want and everything else. And I, I, that wasn't what I was interested in. Uh, what was more important was the fact that I couldn't do it. I was leaving for Europe with a, with another band at the time. Okay. And uh, it was quite funny and coincidental because what had happened was is after I finished my conversation with Brad, yeah. I hung up the phone and, and the phone literally rang in my hands when I hung it up. And it was the fellow that I was going to Europe with. Yeah. And he had said, look, there's a couple of festivals that we're going to play. They don't want to sign contracts. I don't want to take the chance that we're going to um, have, uh, you know, come back and be broke. So I'm pulling the plug on this tour. We're just going to do it next year. Okay. So I said, hey, great, no problem. So I phoned Brad back and I said, look, just as, you know, circumstances uh, should dictate, um, I'm now available to go and do this thing with you in the Cayman Islands. This all happened in like 10 minutes. Really? And... Um, so I got on the plane with them, and we went down to the Cayman Islands, and we did the show, and I had a really good time with them. I found that everybody in the band really had their heads screwed on straight, like they weren't all, um, they weren't all, you know, zip zowie because they, you know, got a record contract. Right. And uh, what can I say? I, uh, on coming back, I said, look, th this was a lot of fun. I think you guys really got your heads on straight. You know, if you want, or if you're at all interested. I, I'm willing to make this like a priority thing. So right. um, if someone calls me for a show, I'll just, I'll just, uh, you know, refer someone else to it and I'll, and I'll make yours a priority. Um, never had to do that. It, it was right, right from the word go. Uh, yeah. We got, we got busy. And uh, so I originally joined the band as a side guy, as a drummer. Okay. And uh, in 1994, yeah. After I'd been with the band a couple of years, they they uh, they thought that I my contributions to to the band as a player, as a musician, as a producer, and as a human being were yeah. contributing enough that they felt that they wanted me to be a full fledged member of Crash Test Dummies, and so um, that was written on the wall, and it's been that way ever since. Yeah. So, what um, Crash Test Dummies albums did you play on? Uh, well, uh, so God Shuffled His Feet was mine, and uh, A Worm's Life was mine, and uh, Give Yourself a Hand was mine. Okay. And then after that, with the band, the band went south for a while. Uh, I shouldn't say the band went south. We all moved on to different things for a while. Brad continued on as Crash Test Dummies, and he kept on writing. And uh, he used a number of different people over the years. Um, uh but those are the three the three principal albums um, I'm on. Okay. Um, yeah. So, who are some of your biggest inspirations as a drummer and in music in general? Uh, it's kind of difficult to say uh, I, because I, um, I, I think that everybody brings something to the table for me. Uh, I, I, whether I'm listening to a piano player, so I mean, you know, a Keith Jarrett or someone, a trumpet player like Miles Davis, or if I'm listening to, uh, uh, you know, Buddy Rich uh, from from the old days, um, or you know, I can go into some club somewhere and I can see someone that I've never met in my life, and what they bring to the table musically, I I, I just find very inspiring. 
I've never, I've never had that attitude where someone's the best at something. Right. And, uh, and usually you're, you're usually quite surprised. It's there's, there's some people that have a degree in music who do wonderful things. And there are people who have no idea what they're doing whatsoever, who bring something amazing to the table. Yeah. So, uh, you know, throughout, throughout my years, uh, you know, I would say that, uh, there was a fellow by the name of John Zylak and, and, uh, at the same time, another friend that came to the table, which was a guy by the name of Frank Suchet, who introduced me to a lot of music that I really didn't know existed when I was yeah. 14 years old. And I, you know, I listened to Queen and Black Sabbath and Deep okay. Purple and Led Zeppelin. Like those were, those were the, the bands of my youth. But they came along and introduced me to a bunch of musicians that I uh, probably never would have discovered for at least 10 or 15 years had it not been for them. And that really taught me to to look at everybody in a, in a, in a new light. So, right. um, you know, I could give you a list of names of people that, that have inspired me, but there's a whole lot of people that I, I have no idea what their names are, and I saw them play someplace, but yeah. they were equally as inspiring. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely true, and I can relate to that, you know, just seeing people um, playing. It could make you think of music differently or... Um, or you know, have you headed into a different direction, I guess. Um, so I just did an interview with um, Sammy Cohn from The Watchmen, and um, I'm glad I asked this because I guess I wasn't sure if it was his first instrument or not and what got him into music. I asked him if drums were his first instrument or if they came along later. So I'm going to ask you the same thing. Um, were drums your first instrument, and what made you want to start playing the drums? Well, drums was my first instrument. Uh, I, I was one of those kids that um, played with pots and pans, and I was one of those annoying kids in restaurants that had took my fork and my spoon and my knife and played on my plate and the table and the glasses, and I was beating on everything all the time. And uh, my sister played piano, and uh, my father came to me one day and literally said, look, um, your sister's been taking piano for a long time. We think you should learn how to play an instrument. I think he was thinking that I would take piano as well, but he asked me, you know, he gave me the choice. And I said, well, obviously, you know, drums is what I'm going to do. Um, and, and, uh, but it was a natural thing for me. It, it really wasn't, uh, and I don't mean natural in terms of that's what I, my, what my talent was because I, I had to work very hard at learning to play drums and I still do. Um, but, um, the, the the whole thing was that I I just naturally gravitated to it. It was it was I never sat down and said this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. It's just what I did. Right. Uh, it, I don't know if, I don't know if that is clear, but uh, like it wasn't a desire. I never sat down and said this is what I want to do. Um, it's, it just I just I just did it, and and I just kept doing it, and I kept trying to up my game and trying right. to play with different musicians, and and uh, as time went on. I, I learned that I could communicate with other musicians a lot better if I had some understanding of their instrument. And so I started taking an interest in, in, in other instruments. But yeah, no, drums was there from day one. Right. Yeah, so um, so the Crash Test Dummies, um, you guys made like, uh, like I was going through uh, YouTube the other day and you guys have a bunch of music videos. Um, was there a specific music video that you were on um, that was really fun to shoot compared to others? Um, 
you know, I, I would probably think each one had something interesting to, uh, towards right. it. Um, you know, in the, in the beginning, you got you got to remember in those days, uh, music videos were the kinds of things that were required. Right. If you if you made a record, the the record company their their first thing was okay, what's going to be the first single, and what are we going to do to make a video for it? Because MTV and Much Music were making they were strong at the time, okay. and uh, so with obviously with Superman, uh, it, it, there was. Um, uh, I think I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Ellen came up with the premise for how that video was going to be shot. Actually, she did most of the videos. And uh, so they, they maintained a level of, of uh, fun and creativity because it came from us. It didn't come from some guy who showed up with the script. Right. So that, that made them all kind of fun because we had a bit of our own artistic input. Yeah. They, um, however, they as we, they, sorry, I, I, could definitely, I could definitely tell that they all you know, sort of stuck with the theme and um, were very creative um, compared to, you know, videos that you see today. Yeah, I, and I think that's because there was uh, there was a group of intelligent people trying to make it happen, right? It wasn't just, it wasn't merely just a marketing device. Um, but your question was, more, which one was the most fun? And there were there were a couple that were a lot of fun, and but I would the 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 one that was the simplest and the easiest to shoot was probably the one that was most fun, and that was for Peter Pumpkinhead, right? Uh, which we shot in an old warehouse in Toronto, and it was all about let's just have some fun and shoot this thing, right? And and uh, because that whole thing came together very very quickly. Um, but then there's others that we shot. Uh, I think keep a lid on things. And uh, um, oh boy, I'm trying to remember. There's, there's another one that was uh, heavily laden with a lot of effects. And when you're shooting those things, you really don't know what they're going to end up like. You 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 have a you know an artist's description of what it's going to end up like, but you don't really know what it's going to look like. Right. They they do all these shots, and they're all green screen shots, and yeah. And you know, and then you see it all come together, and uh, and you go, wow, that, that that's really cool. Uh, then you get the bill, <laughs> and, uh, and and you know, and shooting these things are ridiculously expensive, and and uh, you know, even though the record company picks up a part of that expense, uh, it still it inevitably comes out of your pocket, and and uh, and then you realize, whoa like simple is better here, you know, and, and let's not get too creative because the more creative you get, the more it costs. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but in answer in concisely to your question, uh, you know, I would probably think that Peter Pumpkinhead was probably the most fun to shoot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to get to a bit more on Peter Pumpkinhead in a second, but um, so the music video, the, U the YouTube video for, um, mm, 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 um, was viewed over 17 million times on uh, YouTube. How does that make you feel to know that your, you know, a video that you played on, that you guys played on, and um, one of your guys' songs, uh, the video was viewed that many times? Well, I think it's, I, I think it's cool. I mean, I don't, I don't really keep track of those statistics myself. Um, I, I, I I, I had no idea that we'd been viewed that many times. Yeah. <laughs> it's news to me. Uh, I, I think it's really cool that we've done something that has meant something to, you know, to that many people that they should take the time to, to watch it. I'm, yeah. I'm very grateful that they, that they have. 
um, I mean, the whole point behind music sometimes is to be able to communicate an idea to people to spark something in them. And whether it's, a, whether it's the simplest of songs or the most complex of songs, uh, is, is kind of irrelevant, you know, and the 17 million people have taken the time to, to look at that. Uh, that's, that's quite flattering, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Peter Pumpkinhead, you guys did that song for the movie Dumber and Dumber. We did. Yeah. So, um, how did that sort of come about and were you guys like asked to do that? Um, and what made you, and why, um, this song? Through many many years of touring, yeah, um, you you get to a point where you you start to sort things out. And one of the things that we uh, felt that we needed more than anything else was to have something in the show which was not typical of Crash Test Dummies. I.e., let's have Brad move to the back and have Ellen move to the front. Right. Uh, Ellen was always behind a keyboard somewhere, and and uh, we we wanted something where we could shift the focus, uh, take you know, take some of the weight off Brad. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he 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 also wanted that. It wasn't yeah. Wasn't be, it wasn't because we were telling him that we needed to get him. He he knew that uh, having a bass baritone is is unique, but yeah. after a while it can be a little much. Yeah. And uh, and Ellen, Ellen is a, an extreme talent uh, in yeah. her own right. Yeah. And uh, so, we, yeah, she does. Oh, she's she's quite brilliant at, at many, many, many things. She's a very, very smart lady, and uh, she's got more talent in her left finger than I have in my entire body. Um, but we we felt that it was a really good thing to have her move to the front. And so we, we took a, a bunch of different ideas as to, you know, what we thought we should do. And uh, there was an XTC song called Peter Pumpkinhead and everybody liked it. And uh, we said, well, you know what, just for shits and giggles, why don't, why don't we do that? We think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So we, uh, we, we took it, we rehearsed it a couple of times and uh, we premiered it in the show in Los Angeles at the house of blues. Okay. Well, wouldn't you know it, that that particular show, um, Kevin Costner was there with uh, his friend who was the producer for uh, Dumb and Dumber. Mm -hmm. And uh, he heard us do Peter Pumpkinhead and, and they came back after the show and they said, hey, we really like that song, Peter Pumpkinhead. It was like really awesome. You guys really did a good, a, a good uh, rendition of it. Have you, do you have it recorded? And uh, we said, no, we you know, we just we just kind of threw it into the show to change things up a little bit. And he yeah. said, well, I'd really like to use it for this movie that I'm working on called Dumb and Dumber. Would you be interested in recording it for it? Well, how do you say no to that? <laughs> so um, we, we came back to Winnipeg. Brad had a studio on Jesse at the time. Uh, we got right into the studio. We recorded it. And we had Tom Lord Algae come in and mix it. Uh, Tom Lord Algae mixed God Shoveled His Feet. And he did such a good job. We felt that yeah. he really... You know, we felt that he really knew what we were about, and uh, we he flew in. We we mixed it and sent it off. Like it happened in a very short period of time, and then uh, kaboom, there it was <laughs> in the movie. And yeah. uh, and then they took mm -mm -mm as well. They put that in the movie there somewhere as well. Um, but then that you know that highlighted um, Ellen. It, it put Crash Test Dummies in a, in a different light. Right. And uh, you know, wow, what a, what a what an amazing happenstance, right? Because yeah. you know, we just kind of threw it into the show, thinking that it would be an interesting song to write, 
Yeah. Uh, sorry, an, an, an interesting song to have a rendition of, and uh, boom, all kinds of good things happen because of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's it's a great song, and um, it's definitely one of my favorites. One of my favorite songs that you guys have done um, because you know you took um, a classic XTC song and sort of made it into your own. Yeah, and I, and I and I think we um, I think we complemented it. You know, I, a lot of times people will cover songs and they're and they're just kind of cover songs, right? And and uh, you know they say, oh, they do an interesting rendition of this song, but I but I think that a lot of people in this particular case can say. Wow! Like you, you took an XTC song and and you you kind of made it better, right? Um, which is which is kind of cool. But but we didn't deviate from it, right? I mean, we we're kind of if you listen to our version and XTC's version, uh, one is just more sparkly than the other. But right, um, you know, which one's better? I don't know that one's better, but right, it's 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 definitely um, up there, right? And I think a lot of people have a preference. They would say, well, I. Actually, I don't think they do. I think they just like both songs equally well. Yeah, um, yeah, and they both they both also have their similarities um, for sure. But yeah, so your song, um, <laughs> what made you guys decide to call it? Like, I I know it's um, basically the chorus, but um, did you guys ever hesitate to put it out as Mm-mm-mm-mm because of the title? No, um, that was a really that was a really big battle. Brad had written the song. Okay, he had written all the lyrics, and um, he wanted to present a song to the band to say, "Okay, I'm working on this song." Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, "I don't have a chorus for it yet." So for now, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna hum the chorus until I can come up with some words for it. Right. And uh, so we gave a song and, and of course you had all the lyrics to it. And when it came to the, where the chorus, you know, this is where the chorus will be. Uh, it was like, mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, and then we, I, I, I don't know. I can't remember if it had to happen collectively or, or Brad made the call on that. I, I think it may have been Brad making the call on it. And everybody kind of jumped on board and said, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Let's do that. Right. And so we, we decided that it was a lot um, more powerful to do the mm-mm thing uh, with the lyrical content that was in the verses. So we decided to record it that way. And the record company, yeah, the record company wasn't very happy about it. They, <laughs> they, they said like, look, this is, you know, a, a chorus has to have lyrics. You can't just hum you can't hum and something in there that doesn't make any sense. And so we, uh, we fought for it and uh, we said, no, this is the way we think the song should be. And, and uh, so we, we recorded it that way. Record company wasn't happy about it, but as it turns out, that chorus is understandable and can be sung in any language around the world. Right. And, uh, and, and I mean, we didn't see that coming. Um, but it, as the, as the song circulated in the world, didn't matter where we played, everybody uh, could latch onto that. And if you had any understanding of what the lyrics were, it just made sense to be sitting there going, Hmm, you know, like, wow. Uh, so it, it completely worked in our favor. Um, we, we did a lot for Gotcha Will Feet. We did a lot of things that were not what the record company wanted us to do. Right. And uh, but we we had an idea as to what the identity of the band was, 
And I think as with any band, I, I think you have to have a really strong idea as to who and what you are, because if you don't, um, media and, and record companies and producers and agents and everything else, they're more than happy to try to mold you into something. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't know, so if you don't know what you are, um, they will define you. <laughs> so, uh, so with, with that particular song, uh, you know, that was, that was just one of, of, uh, many battles that we had throughout the, the career of Crash Test Dummies. Yeah. And, um, you guys, you guys definitely have some, um, very deep and poetic lyrics. Who writes most of your lyrics? Brad. Brad does. Brad. Brad. Yeah. Brad, Brad has, uh, uh, quite frankly is, is brilliant with, with lyrics. Uh, actually he's, he's somewhat of a brilliant man himself, uh, you know, apart from being a songwriter mm-hmm. um, and he has a, a wonderful way of being able to look at things. I mean, he's got a double honors degree in philosophy and literature, right? So, oh. um, so you know, that, that kind of helps. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, Crash Test Dummies is essentially Brad's band, um, but he's, you know, part of, part of what makes someone brilliant in the music industry is, is knowing that you've got a great band with you and you're able to take the advice of, of your bandmates, right? You're able to bring something to your bandmates, present it to them. And then, and then however they, uh, hopefully constructively give back to you, yeah. you're able to, you're able to look at and say, okay, right. This is, this is what I thought was going to be great, but you guys have, you know, made it better somehow. So, uh, yeah, all, all the, all the lyrical content is definitely uh, Brad Roberts. Oh yeah, um, but yeah, he's also so he's also got an amazing voice. Um, does Brad sing higher up, or was there just a decision for him to um, sing in his really low voice, which a lot of people love? Yeah, he's he's a bass baritone, and oh. uh, it's it's kind of kind of hard, you know, it's kind of hard for a soprano to sing as a bass baritone, and it's really hard for a bass baritone to sing as a soprano. Uh, he's he it, uh, as he's gotten older, I think his vocal range has diminished a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he can get in the upper range of a bass baritone, but it's hard for him to get beyond that because I mean, is you know, he's just got those big old vocal cords in there. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's just part, I mean, it really adds to um, Crash Test Dummies' uh, creative sound that people love so much. I think so. I think he, I mean, there's there's a lot of things to Crash Test Dummies, which is unique to Crash Test Dummies. Um, you know, Brad's ability to craft brilliant lyrics. Yeah. Uh, I, he also is able to craft wonderful, amazing um, melodies uh, he, he most certainly has a gift for that. Uh, but we also have Ellen, which complements everything that Brad does. And, uh, and which is also takes, you know, what Crash Test Dummies does uh, yeah. to, to a different level. Um, and everybody in the band actually contributes something which is kind of beyond what a normal... Uh, maybe your normal go-tos would be for, for most bands, right? Okay. Um, and, and that's because everybody has a real distinct personality, uh, which just makes the band unique in its own way. And I, I find that uh, I, I do receive your compliment 
it's very nice of you to uh, to come forward and say that you think the band is is uh, great in some aspects, uh, but we're unique. And I and some bands, some people absolutely love us, and some people absolutely hate us. <laughs> and uh, and that and that's okay too. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're one of those bands that people either um, really like or they don't really like at all. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm okay with that. That's fine. Um, you know, and, and I, so many times in my life, I've had to meet people that say, look, I'm really apologize. I, I don't really know your music or, or, um, you know, I, I not real, not a real fan of the band. It's like, well, that's, that's okay. You're right. Like everybody likes some music and everybody hates some other music. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at first when I started listening to you guys, I really only listened to, um, Superman song. Um, cause for me, it was the, I guess the easiest song to sort of like listen to and follow along. And, um, and yeah, once I started um, listening to you guys a bunch more, I started really, you know, appreciating your other music as well as a, as a whole. Yeah. I, I think anybody who's into songs that have, um, meaning and by and by meaning, I think that Brad is able to write lyrics which can jar you, yeah. make you think, and um, you know, and they they don't necessarily all you know pull from some earnest um, event in his life. I mean, he's just able to take something and and uh, craft it in such a way that that it, it strikes a nerve with people. And I, and I think that the more that you listen to the music, and you know, in particular, uh, I think some there's some songs that Brad has written which are just just absolutely brilliant. But you have to be someone that appreciates lyrical content and, and not just looking for something to mindlessly you know sing in in the rave. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, for sure. I was like, I'm a musician, um, and I was you know, trying to learn some of your songs just for fun. And I was looking at the lyrics and I'm like, like, wow, how would somebody have thought and, you know, created these, um, you know, amazing lyrics that, like you said, really do make you um, think and have such an emotional impact. It is. It, it's, a, it's an art. Uh, I really do think it's an art. I mean, I, I work with a lot of different artists and, and, uh, you know, many, many artists that I work with, you know, pull from their own emotional struggles in life or, or you know, maybe not their struggles, maybe their happiness in life. Whereas, you know, Brad is able to really craft, craft an idea, craft a thought. Right. And, and uh, I, I find that that's very rare. Uh, there's obviously there's been, it's not, not like he's the only guy that does it. There's been some wonderful artists in time, but, you know, I happen to be associated with one of them and I, quite happy about that um it, it's really nice to to work with someone who who thinks right right yeah so um so what is your favorite um city to plan um either now or i guess in the past favorite city uh <laughs> I, I, always lovely to go to new york but it's always lovely to go to London. It's always lovely to go to Paris. Um, it's lovely to be in Italy. Uh, it's you, you know when when you when you travel, 
in, in particular when you're traveling the world. Yeah. Um, and, in, and when you're touring as a band, uh, you know, everybody has this romantic idea that, that, you, um, that you, you've been to all these amazing places. And yes, you have been to these amazing places, but you've never really seen them as a tourist. Generally, you roll in, you, you see some the, the amazing tourist sites, you know, because you have an hour that you flew, uh, that you drove from the airport to the venue. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you, you play your show and then you have another hour somewhere in there that you get to go out and see something. Uh, so every city, is, you know, in cities like you know Berlin or Florence or Milan or Bologna or London or Glasgow uh, or you know Cape Town, South Africa, like any of these any of these places, uh, you know Sydney, Australia, uh, you really don't get to see a lot of them. But you you always leave going, I got to come back here and I got to see this place because it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have a we have a. A wonderful following in terms of crash test dummies uh, in in, uh, in a lot of large cities, a lot in Germany, um, a lot in the U.S. Where when we go to these places, we have really appreciative crowds that come up, and and uh, when that happens in a place like New York, because New York is is a is a kind of a hard place to play because there's so much entertainment that goes through there. So for people to take the time to to pack in to see you know us, that is is pretty cool, and and they are really appreciative. And uh, you're you're playing for an audience that you know really wants to be there. It's not because they had nothing to do that night. They they went out and bought tickets because they really wanted to be there. Yeah, and that's always really really cool. But to say that I, I have a favorite, it's, it's kind of tough. I, I can tell you there's a million cities I want to get back to, <laughs> uh, you know, because I, I only saw, you only scratched the surface of what was there, and what was there was really cool. Um, but I would say that, you know, some places like New York and, and, and London, where we have really appreciative audiences, uh, it, those are always wonderful to go back to. But, you know, I could say that of Atlanta. I could say that of Minneapolis, St. Paul. I could say that as uh, Los Angeles. I could say that as Portland, Oregon. Uh, there's there's so many places that we've been that we've got wonderful crowds. So yeah. Um. So you're from Winnipeg, right? I am. Yeah. So um, do you ever get um, when you guys play in Winnipeg? Um, you know, it does it feel special to be um, playing in your hometown? Absolutely. It, it, it does. I mean, we we um, we kind of vanished for about ten or fifteen years, mm-hmm. and uh, three years ago we played with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra at the Forks for the for I think it was the hundred and fifty anniversary. Okay. And uh, and the the uh, the Forks grounds was jam packed with with thousands of people. Fun here. And and uh, you know. Uh, part, partly because you know it's crash test dummies. Partly because it's a celebration, yeah. um, and but the the over the, there was a, a, an overwhelming feeling of hometown pride. I think yeah. when we played that particular show, yeah, and and uh, to to know that you know your hometown is is out to support you like that is uh, is really cool, especially when you've been away for you know ten or fifteen years. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about the forks as well um because you know like 
so many different people are at the forks. And I guess when there's um, a show like that, you're definitely able to draw uh, some attention and get people who, I guess, love the Crash Test Dummies and some people who have never really listened to you guys but thought they would go and see your your guys' show. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, from from that particular show, um, I mean, I'm always amazed when our crowd we go places and we play and I, and I see people that are 50 years old who I expect to be in our shows. Yeah. And then um, at that particular show and many shows that we've played since then, there's a lot of people that are coming to our shows that are 20. And uh, there's a lot of people that are coming to our shows that are 10. And, and, and I say, what, what, what are you doing here? Like, I don't understand you know, why would, why would you be at all interested in being here? And I say, well, this is the music that my parents listened to. And, and, you know, and I like it yeah. and I, and I go, wow, like, that's really cool that, that, that we, <laughs> that, that anybody from, from, you know, your generation would, would, uh, would even care to give us a listen at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the, the, the forks, uh, as you said, draws, uh, a real diverse crowd and uh, you know the the fact that they stay <laughs> and 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 really dig what we're doing yeah. is was was very very cool yeah um yeah so at the forks actually um i'm a, I'm a buster there uh it was is canceled because um it's not happening right now because of the pandemic but um throughout the summer last year i was there almost every day um playing guitar and my acoustic guitar and singing and um, I was doing mostly covers and stuff because that's what really, you know, drew people's attention, but uh, especially at the Forks. But I thought I'd learn um, Crash Test Dummy songs. So because, like, my voice wasn't really low enough at the time, I sort of, um, I sort of made my own rendition of Superman's song. And then I would always play it regularly at um, the Forks. And there was always a positive vibe there. And I would, um, I don't normally draw a bit of a crowd. People, um, generally, you know, walk by listening cause it's, it's a busy place. But, um, for that song, uh, people like to actually gather around, listen to it and sing along, which is a great feeling. I mean, um, how does that, I guess, how does that feel to know that, you know, the crash test dummies, um, your music has been passed along and people still really love it. Well, I think I think it's I think it's very cool. You know, the difference between playing in a band like Crash Test Dummies and and busking, right? Yeah, it is is one when you're busking. Uh, if you happen to be playing something that somebody likes, they they might stop. They might, right? You're not for sure, but they might, and you know, and they and they might throw a loony at you or whatever. Um, when you play in clubs or you're playing in bars or you're playing in coffee houses or whatever people there are go and they passively listen to to what's going on and again if they like it they might turn attention to you but they're generally there to talk and and do that you know socialize um but when you're playing at a concert hall or a venue where people specifically have to buy tickets to come and and see you play yeah uh that's that's a that's a compliment on on another level. The fact that people actually pay money and they want to listen to the songs that you're that you're playing, right? And right. Um, when when that happens, 
uh, th that's flattery. It, it really is. I mean, it's I whether whether uh, whether we're playing theaters of two hundred people or, or playing theaters of, of uh, twenty five thousand, the fact that those people want to be there is is a real compliment. And so, you know, if you're busking and and you're playing a crash test dummy song and people actually stop and, and well, first of all, it's a credit to you. If they're stopping and, and listening, you must be doing a good job of it, um, right? Because nobody wants to hear their favorite song butchered. Uh, so you must be doing something right there. Uh, but the fact that they, you know, are stopping and listening to you, uh, you know, that, that's flattery again because uh, it's, you know, something that we did, which is moving people in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So the credit there is yours, actually. Maybe not ours. I think the credit's yours there because you're 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 doing something right if they're stopping and listening. Yeah. So um, you guys put out um, an album in 2018, um, and uh, you know it was your first album since '99. What, what, when did you guys decide that? Um, you were going to start, you know, maybe doing some recording and doing more writing again. Um, did we put something out in 2018? Uh, yeah. Uh, Ooh La La. Ooh La La came out in 2018, eh? I thought it came out earlier than that. Um, I think it was recorded earlier than that. Mm -hmm. uh, it just, it probably just didn't hit the, cause it was, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't picked up by the record company. Right. So, uh, Ooh La La was done primarily by Brad. Um, I, I think Ellen may have had something to do with one of the tunes on there. Um, yeah. but that was primarily Brad and, and, you know, Brad is crash test on me. So, I mean, he was, um, uh, you know, in, in terms of, I mean, there's, there's two things to look at. First of all, you know, Brad is crash test dummies. And then there's the physical crash test dummies, which is, you know, Brad, myself, Ellen, Dan. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, real fans of the band always want to see the, 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 the original people in the band. Yeah. Uh, but Brad has been using the name crash test dummies, rightfully so. And uh, so when he released Ooh La La, um, that, was, that was primarily his effort and not our effort. Okay. Um, now, having said that, um, these days, as you may well know, because you're in the music world, these days, recording an album and and getting out there and you know flogging it is uh, is a really large undertaking, and uh, we are caught between a rock and a hard place in that. Yeah, a lot of Crash Death Dummies fans would love to hear new material, which would mean that we would you know go back into the writing process, which means. You know, Brad generally showing up with some ideas and then and then us doing what we can to try and make those ideas the best that they can be. And um and then going out and 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 doing playing those songs, of which I I I don't know for sure, but I my experience tells me that the, the majority of people that come out to see us play yeah. really want to hear Superman song, and they want to hear. Yep. Mm, they want to hear afternoons of coffee spoons. They want to. Uh, they want to hear the, their favorite songs of yesteryear, and uh, you know to, to put that in, in, a, in a in a proper light. I went to see James Taylor when I was in Newfoundland. I was doing some stuff in Newfoundland, and, and James Taylor happened to be in town, so I, I went to see James Taylor, 
because uh, I've been a longtime fan of James Taylor, and and uh, we played a three and a half hour concert. Wow! And um, in the second half of the show, so he had he took a, a, about a twenty five minute break in the middle of the show, and about halfway through the second half of the show, he stopped and he said, "Look, I owe you all an apology." Um, I'm going to play a song you haven't heard before. <laughs> and and uh, it's, it's, it's a nice little song. Uh, we wrote it, and, and, I, and I think it's a good song. I, I don't want to bore you with, like, new material, mm-hmm. but I'm going to play the song, and, uh, and, I, and I hope you like it. So he played the song. Uh, you know, people clapped, and then he said, okay, now that I've done that, let's get back to the songs you came to hear. And, right. um, and, and I think that that's that's indicative of as to what where you know uh, the the recording thing is going right we would love the idea of being able to sit down and record a new album because that that whole process can be a lot of fun the mm-hmm. process of recording isn't always fun but but you know making making something come to light can be a lot of fun um and and but you at the end of the day you look back at it and you go hey look you know we created this thing and and it's really that's really awesome the 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 cost and effort to do such a thing uh, I don't know would give us the dividends of being the band that shows up and plays the songs that people just want to hear I, you know what I mean like I, I don't I don't know I could, I'm happy to be wrong about that. But I really do think that if we showed up and we started playing a lot of songs that people didn't know, um, I don't know that that would do us a lot of favors. I, I think people really want to hear the songs of yesteryear. Right. Um, yeah, because, I mean, generally, um, it, it's those ones, I mean, that that is what people are coming to see and are hoping to see, I guess. Yeah, I, and, and, you know, I, I have to reiterate that um, I'm happy to be wrong about that. You know, if we showed up and we played three or four songs that that uh, that have been written as of late, uh, like even when we play songs that are, you know, that people don't know that have been recorded, <laughs> uh, sometimes people don't react the way that we'd like them to. And and a lot of times we play songs that we that we love. Right? We think, wow, this is a great song. And then, but people don't really react to it because they they want to hear the the songs that were on the radio because that's what they know. And and I and uh, I, you know if we went out there and played a bunch of new songs and they were equally as enthusiastic, I, I think first of all I'd be a little shocked, and but second of all, I mean I think I would I would just do the the ultimate happy dance that people are actually wanting to hear new music from us. Yeah, yeah, but um, but I mean it's great that you guys um, are drawing such a. A, a crowd in general and um, people are really coming to hear those, I, I guess, songs from, um, I guess, the 90s, but it's still great that people are wanting to hear that. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know what? And, and every time that we go someplace, the, the, you know, the last two years, we've been doing quite a bit of touring. Yeah. And every time we show up and we have those people out there and I look out there and I see them singing the songs um, I see them after the show because we, we usually do a little after show meet and greet kind of a thing. Yeah. And when I meet these people that say, um, I never thought that I'd have an opportunity to see you guys live, right? I mean, I thought that you guys kind of vanished from the planet. And, and uh, to see you guys 
play and and uh, sing the songs that you know from when I grew up is was amazing. And I have more over the top gratitude uh, for 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 those people. I really do. I'm very 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 thankful that we've done something. That yeah. is, that is. I mean, because as a musician, right? That's really that's your lane to your your um, your claim for sure. Uh, it's really rewarding. Yeah, it is. I mean, the you know, it's it's one thing for people to sing along and and uh, sing around the campfire. That's a wonderful thing. But when you've when you've done something musically, which has affected someone's life in some way, yeah. Uh, and and believe me, you know, we, we we have. Some of the, some of the stories that that we've had over the years has has been, you know, phenomenal. Uh, as now, not to bore you with this, but there's a fellow from Red Lake uh, who uh, who was working in the mines, um, and he always always wanted to to be a singer, and uh, but he was too shy, and uh, and and so he was was working in the mine one day and, and what he would do is he used to write the lyrics down in a cigarette package and uh, while he was drilling in the mines he would he would uh, sing because nobody could really hear him and and but he, you know he always wanted to do that so one day he was drilling and, and the uh, the mine collapsed on him and uh, he was buried under tons and tons of rock and and uh, he was you know the guys he was working with were lying next to him and they had all deceased mm-hmm. and uh and he said the, the thing that kept him alive while he was waiting to be rescued uh, was uh, he kept singing Superman song over and over and over again. He probably sang it, you know, a hundred times. And he yeah. said, I sang that song and I thought about my children. And, and uh, so I want to thank you for, for writing that song. And I'm just a drummer. I didn't write anything, you know, thank Brad for that. But um, there's a piece of, of music that, you know, I was involved in, in in my lifetime that really changed a person's life. And as a musician, uh, I, I have just an overwhelming uh, pool of gratitude for, for hearing stories like that. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so on this podcast, I basically, um, I mainly just talk about music and touring and, you know, where music has brought you in life. But um, I've decided that at the end um, or closer to the end of each interview, I'm going to ask a non-related music, uh, a, a question that's not related to music um, for our viewers to sort of get to know you. I thought I'd add that in. Um, so your question is, what is your favorite restaurant? <laughs> um, favorite restaurant? Local, I guess, right? Um, sure. Okay. If we're going to go local, um, uh, shoof, I, there's a place I don't get to eat very often, but I'd love to eat at, and, um, I, it's, I, I can't remember the entire, it's, it's Sioux Soul. Is that right? I'd have, I'd have to look it up. Um, okay. It's in, it's in the basement. <laughs> It's in the it's in the basement on the corner of Osborne and Donald. Um, I think it's Sioux Soul. I think is what it's called, and uh, it's it got an amazing vibe in there. Yeah, just like cool. just amazing. Okay. Well, I'll I'll have to check that out. Um, oh, do yourself a favor. It's it really is. Like if you're gonna if, if you're gonna take someone out for dinner, you're gonna you, you, like, take them there. It's so cool. It's uh, the place is is 
it's, it's kind of dark and it's nothing in the in the restaurant matches and in any way shape or form but the thing that ties it all together is uh it's primarily lit by candles okay and and uh, so there's these stacks of candles and candle wax everywhere and uh it, um it, you kind of feel like you're in someone's basement that's been converted to a restaurant it's kind of cool mm-hmm. well awesome um thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast before we wrap up the interview is there anything else that you would like to add uh, you know what I'm, I'm one of those people that if, if you're not careful I will talk until you know next Thursday <laughs> so um, I if anything I would add uh, that I, I I think it's uh, really cool that you're that you're doing this um, I wish you much success in, in doing so, um, I enjoyed your questions. I didn't, you know, you weren't being, uh, you weren't sort of being starstruck in any way. You had intelligent questions to ask, and which makes doing these kinds of things um, fun and pleasurable. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. I think it's cool. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So that just about wraps up um, this week's episode of Talk and Rock with GMH. Thank you so much um, to our sponsor for the Song of the Week Hoot Reading. Thank you to Economy Pawn um, for their guitar feature. And stay tuned for more guitars coming on um, in the future, hopefully next week. And yeah, thank um, thank you, Mitch Dorge, for coming on the podcast. Super, This was a super exciting interview for me um, to do because so, I'm such a huge fan of the Crash Test Dummies. Um, and yeah, thank you guys for tuning in and hopefully we'll hear from you guys, uh, next time on next week's episode. Um, and yeah, thank you guys for all the support. Go follow me on Instagram, on the talk and rock Instagram at talk and rock pod. And yeah, I'm GMH signing off. Let's talk and rock. It's talking rock with GMH.